You know, gluttony is a very real struggle for many of us, uh, myself included, especially during the holidays. Uh, one of my areas of recovery is I'm a food addict. I've struggled with overeating and uh, weight and health issues uh, all my life, and the holidays are brutal on me. And I, I don't want to do this year what I've done so many years before, and that is gain 15 pounds from Thanksgiving to New Year's and then spend the first six months of the next year trying to lose it. Uh, I want to break that cycle. Maybe you do too. And so today in your worship folder, we've got a little flyer for you with some tips on how to avoid overeating during the holidays, And because we want to help you in that area. But I'm learning in my life that it is not just a physical battle. Uh, This is actually a spiritual battle regarding my weight and my health and my approach toward food. And we need to recognize that. You know, soon we'll all be making New Year's resolutions, and most of those resolutions will be about the physical. Uh, We want to lose weight, exercise more, eat better, sleep better. The problem is those resolutions will be short-lived if we just focus on the physical aspect, if we don't recognize the spiritual aspect of that struggle. And a lot of us have things in our physical life that we would like to change, areas not related to weight or eating, but just areas where our body is out of control. Uh, Actually, the problem is our body is in control. Our body is calling the shots. Our life is controlled by our appetites. Uh, The Bible has a word for a life controlled by its appetites. The word is debauchery. Debauchery means an extreme indulgence in your senses. It's when you let your body's appetites, whatever they may be, you let those appetites control your life. Now, you might not realize this, but you are made up of three parts. Uh, The Bible teaches that you are a tripartite being. Uh, The first part is the body. It's the physical part, the part we all see when we look at one another. And the body has appetites, desires, eating desires, drinking desires, sexual desires, even sleeping and breathing and other physical desires or appetites that drive the body. But we are not just a body. We are also a soul. We have a part that cannot be seen, and the soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And lots of creatures in creation have a mind, will, and emotions. Uh, You can see those in, in other animals. But humans are the only creature in all of God's creation that has a third element. And it's actually an element of God himself. Because we are a body, soul, and we are a spirit. Now, before you become a believer in Jesus Christ, your spirit is dead. Because of the fall, because of the sin, uh, we are all born dead in our sin. And when you get saved, we say you are born again because that's when your spirit comes alive. It is a spiritual birth. And that's when you have the ability, the capacity to live a spirit-led life. Apart from salvation, apart from faith in Jesus Christ, you are spiritually dead. Now, the struggle is that all three, body, soul, and spirit, all three of them want to be the one in charge of the other two. And that's the struggle of the Christian life because your body wants to be in charge, your soul, your mind, and emotions want to be in charge, and your spirit wants to be in charge. But only when your spirit is in charge can you live as God desires. 
When your body is in charge, it has complete disregard for the soul and the spirit. The body just wants to satisfy its appetites and cravings to the point where it will destroy your life. When you let your emotions rule, when you're driven by your feelings, uh, it, it has total disregard for the body and the spirit. But God doesn't want our lives to be driven by our body or by our emotions. God wants our spirit, the God-made part of him, to be in charge. But there are still cravings, appetites, and struggles with the body. Now you might wonder, why didn't God just make it so that I don't want to do those things anymore? So I don't want to eat that, drink that, smoke that. Why didn't God just take those appetites away from me? Well, here's how it works. After our spirits come to life, they they are weak. They are newborn. And we have to go through a process called sanctification, where the spiritual part of you is fed and nurtured and matured and begins to grow to the point where it affects your physical life and your soul life. And all of us who have accepted Christ, we are in that process of sanctification right now. There is a part of us that wants to live for God, our spirit. And there is a, are parts of us, the body and soul, that want to live for themselves. And Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says we need to build and grow and develop and mature our spirit. Now Paul talks about this extensively in Romans chapter 7. And in Romans chapter 7, Paul refers to his physical body as a body of death. Because his body just wouldn't do what he wanted it to do. In Romans 7.18, Paul says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. Read this last phrase with me. It is sin living in me that does it. See, Paul discovered that what was driving all his physical turmoil was his spiritual condition. The reason I can't get the body, the external, under control is because the internal part is out of control. There is sin living in me. And then in verse 24, he just sort of fusses at himself. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. You ever ever felt like that? What a miserable person. How pathetic am I? I hate the way I'm living. I hate that I let my anger take over. I hate that I overspend. I hate that I look at porn. I hate that I overeat. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, the answer is not go to the gym more. The answer is not get an accountability partner. The answer is not work harder. The answer is not more of me, more willpower. The answer is Jesus Christ. Because the person controlled by the Spirit has success and peace. The person controlled by their emotions has drama. And the person controlled by their body has destruction. If you're letting your body call the shots in your life, there will be three things that will happen. Number one, first thing I notice is it destroys me. Now, you need to understand that, that you have an enemy. You have an enemy. Uh, Satan, uh, he can't keep you out of heaven if you've trusted in Jesus Christ. 
But your enemy is trying to destroy your life here and now. If he can't keep you out of heaven, he's going to do the next best thing, which is destroy the quality of your life, distract you from the purpose that God has for your life, to pollute, contaminate, weaken your life, to keep your earthly life from being effective. And so your enemy is doing everything he can to keep your spirit out of control. Jesus said it this way, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why we can't let our sin nature take over our lives. 1 Corinthians 6.12, Paul says, you say, I am allowed to do anything. You know, we're not under the law anymore. In the, uh, under the Old Testament law, they had all these dietary restrictions. They had all these feast instructions. They had all these things about how to live life. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Everything is permissible. Not everything is beneficial. Don't let yourself become a slave to anything. Don't let yourself be mastered by anything. Now, my area of struggle, one of them, is food. Maybe you're thinking of something specific in your life that is trying to master you physically. You know, whatever that activity is, I would encourage you to take some time from that. Take a break from it, to abstain from it for a season, to just step back from it. The biblical term for that would be to fast from it. Why? You know, whether it's TV or, you know, whatever it is that's pressing in on you. What what does fasting do? Well, it does a couple of things. First of all, fasting makes the body and soul weaker. And fasting makes the spirit stronger. You know, normally in everyday life, we're feeding ourselves spiritually, but we're also feeding our body and soul. Fasting puts your spiritual growth on hyperdrive. You starve the physical and you feed the spiritual. How many of you have ever played King of the Hill? Anybody ever played King of the Hill? You know how King of the Hill works? I don't want to have to demonstrate. So, so, so you understand King of the Hill? You know, you get on top of a big pile of dirt and push all your friends off of it. Who always wins at King of the Hill? The biggest kid. That's right. Who's going to win between body, soul, and spirit? The biggest and the strongest. And that's why the Bible teaches don't let your body control your life. Don't let your emotions control your life. Make your spirit the king of the hill. Second thing that happens when I'm ruled by my body, it dilutes my witness. People often say, only God can judge me. Don't be judging me. Judge not lest you be judged. How I live is none of your business. People usually say that when they're doing something wrong. But that's really not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us to let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. God intends for you to be an ambassador representing him by the way you live. God intends for your life to be a billboard that puts God on display. People are watching you, yes, even judging you. And God intended it to be that way. 2 Corinthians 8.21, we are careful to be honorable before the Lord. But we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. See, the challenge as a believer is to live a life that is so honorable, so attractive, that people would want to live that kind of life in order to honor God. 
You know, if you get fit, people will walk up to you and ask, how did you do it? If you get out of debt, people call you, hey, tell me, how did you do that? What are you doing? If you conquer alcohol, people will want to know how you stay sober. God wants to work so deeply in your life that you are a light to the world. This weekend, over 110 million Americans will not go to church. The main reason 110 million Americans, a third of the country, won't go to church is because as they look at the other two-thirds that do go to church, they don't see that it makes any difference. Believers don't look any different than unbelievers. You know, we need to recognize that the world is watching us. Parents, our kids are watching us. They're watching our marriages. They're watching how we parent. They're watching our health. They're watching how we live our lives to see, does Jesus Christ make any difference? Because if he doesn't make any difference, why bother? That's why we continually preach on all these life change topics here at Rockbrook. Because through life change, through victories over sin in these areas, our lives shine out for all to see, and Jesus gets the glory. You know, what would happen if we let God lead our bodies, lead our lifestyles into holiness to be used to point people to him? What what if we could say to the world around us, I'm not going to let my emotions take over. I'm not going to let my body take over. I am not going to be mastered by anything. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Imagine, that would not dilute our witness. That would elevate our witness. Third thing that happens when our bodies are in control, it simply dishonors God. The Bible says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, this building is not holy. Uh, This is not a sanctuary. This is an auditorium. It's a venue. It's a room. It's a warehouse. Okay? In the Old Testament, there were sanctuaries, there were holy places, holy of holies. God dwelt in tabernacles and in temples. But in the New Testament, God tells us he's not going to dwell in buildings anymore, he's going to dwell in believers. He dwells inside of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what would it look like if you saw your body as a sanctuary, as a temple, and you treated it with a level of respect? What would it look like if you recognized, this is a holy place. I'm not going to do anything to defile or abuse it. 1 Corinthians 6.15 says, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. You know, our bodies are more sacred. They are more important than they seem. And we shouldn't be doing despicable things with them. So what do we do? How do we move from this body of death to a body of life? How do we change our perspective, renew our mind, renew our body, feed the spirit? I've asked Ryland to come and and cover some points for us. Well, let's look at another verse from Paul. Uh, Here he's writing some encouragement and instruction to a younger leader named Timothy. So we find this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. So in your house, you have paper plates and you have fine china. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure... 
If you keep from treating yourself like a paper plate, you will be a utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be, read this with me, ready for the master to use you for every good work. We're being called to a spiritual fitness that affects physical fitness. Let me show you another verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Physical training is good. Going to the gym has value. Counting points has value. Running that marathon has value. But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. He's saying that focusing on physical health, that's good. But that's all it's good for. Focusing on spiritual health will benefit the spiritual and the physical. So I want to look at some principles here, some spiritual principles that if you put them in your life will affect you physically because you will not have lasting change physically until it flows out of spiritual transformation, out of spiritual change. If you're taking notes, uh, write these down. If you're not taking notes, write these down. Number one, offer daily. Offer daily. Am I offering my body to God daily. We see in Romans 12, 1, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. What does this look like? This means totally offering or surrendering your life to God. Some of us think that Christianity is a one-time decision. It's just a heart issue when God wants us offering our whole life over to him. God doesn't want us misusing our bodies. He wants everything, including our bodies. But some of us have gone so far the other way. Some are so consumed and love their bodies so much that they're worshiping their bodies, idolizing and glorifying their bodies. What's the balance? Romans 12.1 is the balance, which is total commitment to God. This means going all in with every part of you. It means you give your life to God from the top down. What would it look like if you prayed like this in the morning? God, I give you my mind. I want to focus on things that are good and lovely. Okay, I want to be praiseworthy with my mind. Renew my mind today. God, I give you my eyes. As Job put it, I put a covenant with my, I make a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on anyone. I set my eyes straight ahead. I put the blinders on. I fix my eyes on the prize. God, my mouth, put a filter on my mouth. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. Let no unwholesome talk come out of me. Help me encourage others, build others up. God, I give you my body. My life belongs to you. Help me honor you with what I put in my body, with what I eat today. God, I give you my feet. Keep my foot from evil. I don't want to go to the wrong place. Let me honor you with where I go. You know, a prayer like that takes just a minute. What if in the morning you offered your body to God? What if daily you offered your body to God? What you'll see is that the physical life that has dominated you forever will come under control by the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And your life, your life is going to be better. You're going to be happy, happy, happy. Number two, withdraw weekly. Withdraw weekly. The biggest physical disease, the biggest physical dis-ease 
the church is fighting is happening because most believers do not, they violate the principle of the Sabbath. The biblical solution is to set aside one day a week, okay, to set aside work, to set aside Facebook, to set aside business. And as Isaiah put it, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. And for emphasis, he says, I, the Lord, have spoken. It's a simple principle. It's just putting margin into your life. And a big reason many of us are living on a diet of Pop-Tarts and drive through is because that is all we have time for. And we need the Sabbath principle. We also need to be building recreation into our life to recreate. What are you doing in your life that's pouring life back into you? 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Isn't that a good word? Isn't that a good word for those who are sick, for those who are struggling with disease? For those who are frustrated with old age, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. What are you doing to renew your spirit? And I genuinely hope that this hour at Rockbrook plays into that. I hope these services are life-giving. From day one, we said we want our services to be a lift up, not a let down. We need to be building peace into our life. Some of us are on overload, and it's causing us to react to people differently than we normally would. We'll snap at somebody and we'll think, that's not who I am. That's not how I would want to talk to them. Some of us are wound up so tight that one bad driver on the highway just sends us over the edge. You need the Sabbath principle in your life. You need daily, weekly, yearly. Number three, we need to laugh regularly. Okay, one of the biggest problems, not only in our health, but in our society is that We are taking ourselves way too seriously, and we are not taking God seriously enough. We get so serious about our feelings and how how we feel and our emotions that we're filling our life with distress. I mean, it's unbelievable how easily offended our culture has become. And those who are not able to find humor in things or brush things off are having panic attacks. And Proverbs 14.30 says, A peaceful heart leads to a peaceful body. Another proverb says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Laughter is so important. It's important to the physical body. It's one of the most underrated and forgotten parts of physical health. When you laugh, your body releases endorphins that give you a spirit of well-being. God did that. He put that inside of you. Honestly, Some of us just need to lighten up. There is fighting going on in our homes that is petty. There is fighting and and arguments happening in the home that need to stop. We're so busy fighting with each other that we've stopped fighting for each other. We take ourselves so seriously that we don't take the necessary things seriously enough. And we've stopped fighting for purity. We've stopped fighting for integrity. We've stopped fighting for health. We've stopped fighting for joy. I really believe God wants to tell some of you today to lighten up. Church is supposed to be life-giving. 
It wasn't supposed to be boring and stale. The church, that's you, us, the church, is supposed to be full of joy. You know, laughter is one of God's values. It's one of Rockbrook's values. The one who invented laughter wants you to laugh. I read a book uh, earlier this year called Beautiful Outlaw by John Eldridge. And part of the book was talking about the humor of God. In one chapter, he reminds us that, you know, of the humor and playfulness and funniness of God. And we see God's humor everywhere. Just take one look down your row real quick. Look down your row. Now try not to giggle. I mean, we see God's humor in creation. We see it in animals. We see it in ourselves. We see it in the conditions of the earth. Gravity is hilarious. And in the book, John Eldridge reminds us that if God weren't incredibly fun, if God weren't funny, well, then we're basically saying that we're better at something than God is. To get God in your life means to get some fun in your life. I'll tell you, if you learn to laugh at yourself and to laugh with your family, you will never run out of material. You have an endless supply. You know, this Christmas season, you need to get your family together and pull out a game or pull out a funny movie and laugh together. Your kids need to see their parents enjoying each other. One of the biggest signs of a healthy marriage is that the two can laugh together. No, they don't make fun of each other. They're not laughing at the other one's expense. Not everything is a joke, but they can tease each other. They can find humor in things. Jesus wants the joy of the Lord to be your strength. You know, he wants you to get some peace, cheerfulness, hope, optimism back into your life to remove the weight of doom and gloom off of you and your family. So we need to offer daily, withdraw weekly. We need to lighten up. And number four, researchers are finding out that people are only happiest when they have found an activity that matters. Number four, live purposefully. Physical health is always better when you know why you are alive. Because you need your body to pull it off. You need your body to get it done. People who don't know why they exist live like it. Time Magazine. Time Magazine released an article called The New Science of Happiness. And the results of the research were surprising to a lot of people, but they make perfect sense to me. They found that the happiest people on earth are people of faith. And the happiest people of faith are Christians And the happiest people of Christians are those who have found an activity that help others, that matters, that makes a difference for eternity. This is why we are not making any apology for asking you to get into a small group and to get plugged into a ministry. It is not for us. You know, you need the help for yourself more than we need it. 1 Timothy 6 says, tell them, tell your church to use their money for good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. You know, where there is no vision, people just run wild. They'll click on it. They'll eat it. They'll do whatever. Okay, we are not like that. 1 Corinthians 9 says, Don't you realize that in a race... Everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. Hello, you play to win the game. Herm Edwards was quoting the Apostle Paul. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. 
So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I don't fight like a man that's just punching at nothing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Let's get prize focused. Pastor's going to come up and, and preach the last point. We've got to get eternity focused. We've got to keep our eyes on the prize. I was back there heating up some Pop-Tarts. <clears throat> Fifth thing we want to do in order to have a body of life is we want to honor fully. The, the secret to real life, to real health, is to keep your focus on Jesus Christ. And tragically, many of us don't feel very healthy right now. Our our body is in control. Our life is out of control. Uh, We have become a slave to our appetites. Our spirit is weak. And like the Apostle Paul, we're asking, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ, God's only son, was born at Christmas. Jesus Christ left heaven and came to earth, took on a physical body, took on human flesh, a human body, so he could live a perfect life, so he could die a sacrificial death to free you from your body of sin and death. I mean, I can't imagine offering a firstborn son to be executed so that I could help you out of your slavery and addictions. But God offered his son so I could be free. The Bible says that I was purchased, you were purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Let's pray together. Would you just pray this prayer, the quietness of your own heart and mind? Would you just say, God, help me to live every day with the reality that Jesus Christ was born for me. With the reality that Jesus Christ died for me. And that you invite me every day to offer my body as a living sacrifice for you. God, help me to live in such a way that everything I do is honorable. Everything I do puts you on display. It's not about me. It's all for your glory. God, you're the one who brought me out of slavery. Help me to live a life of freedom and power and victory. So that those around me can see the benefits of believing in Jesus Christ. For we ask it in his precious name.